sister, I don't know about you, but there are several scriptures that Paul wrote in the Bible regarding women that have always confused me. And I've often wondered, what did Paul have against women? Why did he hate women so much? But even as I thought that, something just doesn't seem to add up. One, because Paul's words don't align with God creating men and women equally as co-rulers. And two, it does seem a bit out of character for Paul. Well, recently, I've learned that Paul didn't have anything against women. In fact, Paul actually wanted equality for women. But seeing and understanding that truth requires that we do two things. One, we need to set aside the inaccurate interpretations of these scriptures that some churches have used to keep women in a box. In other words, we need to set aside what we've been told. And two, we need to start at the beginning and take a fresh look at what was happening at the time and what Paul was truly trying to say in these scriptures. And today we are going to start with 1 Corinthians 11. Let's do it. Hey there, amazing lady. Welcome back to the Jesus Empowered Maiden podcast. I'm Jen Murray, owner of Relatescape, where I create, inspire, and motivate Jesus-based empowerment for my sisters in faith. If you're ready to dig deep into the true character of Jesus and our Heavenly Father, to learn who you really are as the daughter of the King, to break free from all the things holding you captive, both internal and external, and to learn how to love yourself in all your beloved uniqueness, you are definitely in the right place. It's time, sister, to claim your female identity, authority, and freedom in Christ like never before. As always, you can learn more and connect with me over at RelateEscape.com. You are loved, you are seen, and you are meant for more. Let's dive in. All right, sister, as usual, I am just going to jump right into it, particularly for this episode, because I have a lot that I want to get through. So much good stuff. And I must say that I really love um, how God has been, since he's called me to start the business Relate Escape and this podcast in particular, how he's been purposefully uh, putting me in touch with resources that are exposing the truth behind scriptures related to women, particularly the ones that have been used by certain churches or I've just become accepted in Christian culture in a way that it keeps women from understanding and living out their full potential. And not too long ago, I did an episode um, on the actual meaning behind the Proverbs 31 woman. That's episode 34, if you'd like to check that out once you're done with this episode. And today we're going to look at 1 Corinthians 11 verses 1 through 16. And before I dive in, I want you to know, I want to be very transparent that everything that I am about to share is based on a book that God recently plopped into my life. It's called On Purpose, Understanding God's Freedom for Women Through Scripture. It's by a woman named Julie Zine Coleman. I will put that name um, and title in the show notes so you can easily get it. The book is on Amazon. You can get it for Kindle. But I highly recommend picking it up because there's so many great things in there. Um, But I want to make sure that 
like, I don't want to, I don't want to seem like I am the one who did all of this amazing research. Julie is the one who earned, you know, an MA in biblical studies. Julie is the one who dug into this, all this great theological research, which is definitely not my area. She's the one that wrote this book. So I'm merely passing along the message in the best way that I can, because I want this truth to be spread to my fellow sisters so that you can find your true identity and freedom in an empowerment, right? So I highly recommend grabbing a copy of that book. Julie tackles several key topics that I think every Christian woman has faced or grappled with at one time or another. And the biblical truth that she presents is really mind-blowing. It makes you realize that one, you're not crazy. Like God's design is not for you to be an equal or to be in a box and that the longings or the whispers that you've had in your spirit or feelings like God is leading you to something bigger and you've been like grappling with that because of what you've been taught, those are legit. Like God does not want you to be in a box. That is not what he created you for. We just struggle with it because we haven't been presented with the truth. But we're going to start changing that today by digging into 1 Corinthians 11. And I'm going to start by reading the entire passage. I'm going to read verses 2 through 16. I know it's a little lengthy, but I want to make sure that we're starting with a firm foundation. And if you're listening to this while you're driving and you can't grab your Bible, obviously me explaining something that I haven't read or you haven't read isn't going to be helpful. So I'm going to read through this. Bear with me. And then we're going to start breaking this down. So starting with verse 2. Now I praise you because you remember me and everything and hold firmly to the traditions just as I handed them down to you. But I want you to understand that Christ is the head of every man and the man is the head of a woman and God is the head of Christ. Every man who has something on his head while praying or prophesying disgraces his head. But every woman who has her head uncovered while praying or prophesying disgraces her head for it is one and the same as the woman whose head is shaved. For if a woman does not cover her head, have her also cut her hair off. However, if it is disgraceful for a woman to have her hair cut off or her head shaved, have her cover her head. For a man should not have his head covered since he is the image and glory of God, but the woman is the glory of man. For man does not originate from woman, but woman from man. For indeed, man was not created for the woman's sake, but women, or but women, uh, but woman for the man's sake. Therefore, the woman should have a symbol of authority on her head because of the angels. However, in the Lord, neither is woman independent of man, nor is man independent of woman. For as the woman originated from the man, so also the man has his birth through the woman, and all things originate from God." judge for yourselves. Is it proper for a woman to pray to God with her head uncovered? Does even nature itself not teach you that if a man has long hair, it is a dishonor to him, but if a woman has long hair, it is a glory to her, for her hair is given to her as a covering. But if anyone is inclined to be contentious, we have no such practice, nor have the churches of God. Okay, <laughs> this is this is why I said in the beginning, this is like one of the most confusing passages in the Bible probably, but particularly when it comes to talking about women, there's a lot going on here. And it, you know, it's talking about men and women, it's talking about have coverings, which just seems really odd. Um, like, I don't know about you, but historically when I read this passage, I'm just like, why is head covering such an important topic? I don't understand. So let's break this down per, Jul per Julie's book and gather 
some data and context for this passage. So first we have to take into account the method. And Julie says in her book, quote, Paul was well-educated and used sophisticated writing in all of his letters. Peter even wrote about how tricky it was for some to get the full meaning of Paul's writings. Just as our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given him, wrote to you as also in his letters, in which there are some things that are hard to understand, which the untaught and unstable distort, as we find in 2 Peter 3, 15 through 16. Identifying Paul's structure is key to a correct understanding. That right there is very true. <laughs> which the untaught and unstable distort, not saying that everybody is unstable who has ever read this passage, but there's truth here that Paul was very sophisticated in his writings and even other people in his time 2000 years ago had trouble discerning what he was saying. Julie then goes on to say that Paul seems to be using a classic literary tool called a, I'm probably going to bungle this, C-H-I-A-S-M, chasm? Not sure. Um, or it's also called, I guess, a, a chiastic structure. Anyway, it's a classic literary tool, however you pronounce it. And this, this technique, which is actually used very frequently in the Old Testament, is where somebody presents an idea in parallel statements. So one statement helps to interpret the other. And then there's also a central idea, but it's usually in the middle of those parallel statements. So in her book, Julie breaks down this passage to show these parallel statements. I would say if you really want to see the full breakdown, it's it's because she does it in a visual way, it's, it's easier to consume and understand if you bought the book and looked at that. I don't think I could do that justice trying to do it on audio, but she, because she like clearly breaks it down. Like this is the statement. This is like this parallel statement. Here's the central idea. But for our purposes in this podcast episode, I want to note that there are the big idea is there are two central statements that appear within this very long, confused, somewhat confusing passage of parallel statements. So the first one is, quote, man is the image and glory of God, but the woman is the glory of man. For man does not originate from woman, but woman from man. That's the first one, quoting from the scriptures from Paul we just read. The second central idea is, However, in the Lord, neither is woman independent of man, nor is man independent of woman. All things originate from God. And again, to quote Julie from the book, who is our expert here, she says, with both of those statements, Paul is referring to creation order. So in the first one, he cites woman originating from man. In the second one, he's seeming to contradict himself by basically disregarding the order of creation and saying that in reality, all of us come from God. So the question is, why would Paul be contradicting himself in this passage? Why is he focusing on creation as a central idea? So to understand that, the next thing that we need to look at is the context behind the letter of Corinthians. The book of Corinthians is a letter that Paul wrote to the Corinthian church. So one thing we need to keep in mind about Corinth, which is the city where the Corinthian church was, is that due to, due to its location between Rome and the what was known as like the Eastern provinces, it saw a lot of trade. 
And it, as a result of that, it had a lot of people coming through and it had a big pagan population and it had a lot of pagan religions and influences. And in addition, around this time, Rome had declared Corinth a Roman colony. And so the, the citizens of Corinth were kind of zealous and proud and wanted to at, like attain like this public status and promote themselves and like climb up in power. And Paul, so Paul planted this church in Corinth while he was on his second missionary trip. And that was around 50 to 51 AD. And we see that in Acts 18 verses 1 through 22. He stayed for a year and a half, he preached the gospel, he discipled converts, and then he left the city, but he kept up correspondence with the church after he left. So what we refer to as 1 Corinthians today, the book of 1 Corinthians, was actually written sometime after a previous letter of Paul's, and we know this from 1 Corinthians 5, 9. So, but unfortunately that first letter was lost. So we don't know what it said. However, we do know that Paul received a response to that first letter. And he also heard about the division issues that were happening in this church from members of Chloe's household, which we know from 1 Corinthians 1.11. So Paul plants this church in Corinth. He stays there for a year and a half. He did preaches the gospel, he creates, um, he, he disciples people, and then he leaves. And sometime after he leaves, he sends a first letter to Corinth. We do not have that letter because it's lost to history. Corinth replies to that letter to Paul, and what we know as 1 Corinthians is Paul's response to the letter from Corinth, if that makes sense, right? So Paul sends one letter to Corinthian church. Corinthian church replies, and what we have as 1 Corinthians is Paul replying to the church, right? So he's following up in this, in this conversation of these issues that have been raised. So, you know, even though we don't have a copy of the letter from the Corinthian church, based on what we see in 1 Corinthians and what Paul is focusing on, we can make some very fair assumptions about what was happening with the church, because we see things like Paul talking about sexual immorality, division in the church body, split loyalties, self-promotion, communion issues, and personal personal squabbles, excuse me. So the gist of the situation was basically the Corinthian church was more a reflection of that city's secular society, which was full of power grabs and wanting to have stature and full of pagan influences. The church was more of a reflection of that society secularly than it was a reflection of the kingdom of God, right? So that secular society was seeping into the church and causing all of these issues, like the ones that I just listed and the ones that Paul, which are the ones that Paul's addressing in first Corinthians. And so I love the way that Jolie puts it in her book. She says, quote, the Corinthians needed some serious guidance on how to relate to each other, because that's basically what it came down to. There was just all these ways that they were dividing themselves. Something else we need to remember in terms of context is that the original, um, original document, meaning the original letter that Paul wrote, was not broken into chapters and verses, because that was chapters and verses of the Bible happened in a more modern time. 
So all of the books that we read in the Bible were originally just one long document. So that means 1 Corinthians, which was a letter, was just one long letter. It wasn't split up into chapters and headings and verse numbers, right? The entire letter was meant to flow together from beginning to end without kind of being interrupted or segment segmentized. And as Julie points out, as it happens, chapter 11, which is the front, which is the where we read that very long, confusing verse where we're talking about like the creation order and um, head coverings, right, is is simply a part of a larger argument that Paul started back in chapter seven, what we know as chapter seven. He's addressing the false dichotomy that the Corinthians have advocated between. So in he's in verse seven, or chapter seven, they're talking. He's talking about you know there's issues between husbands and wives. This later, and there's also the circumcised and the uncircumcised. He's talking about the slaves and free men, the single and married persons, those who ate food sacrificed to idols, and those who didn't, the privileged and the other privileged. And again, Julie says it so well. She says, "Quote: Lines had been drawn in the sand every which way in Corinth." The priority of their hearts did not match the kingdom that Jesus preached. And I really, I really love that. Like, did you catch that wording? Jesus empowered maiden. Paul was addressing issues within the Corinthian church that did not align with what Jesus preached. This is going to become very important here in a minute. Paul was calling the church on not treating each other as the brothers and sisters in Christ that they should be. Because instead of them treating each other as the brothers and sisters in Christ that they should be, they were doing and drawing all of these lines in between these types of categories. And after our passage in chapter 11, in chapter 12, Paul then moves on and compels them to start acting like one body after calling out all these divisions that they had and saying, everybody is important and everybody is needed. And then in what we know is chapter 13, he's focusing on love and how to relate God's way. And then in chapter 14, he's urging unity using the um, regarding the use of spiritual gifts. So all that to say, what does that all mean when it comes to the real message of 1 Corinthians 11 verses 1 through 16? Here is the real meaning behind this, sister. This is where this all starts coming together. Looking at chapter 11, verses 1 through 16, within the context of the entire letter and what was going on at the, at the time, it makes sense to see these verses as, to quote the book, an entry to a list of dangerous fact uh, fractions, excuse me, that were tearing the church apart, inequality between men and women. Let me say that again. That really long, convoluted, <laughs> confusing, or seemingly convoluted, uh, but apparently in Paul's time, very artfully and classically argued. We just don't do that anymore 2,000 years later. Cha in chapter 11, right, on those verses that I read, 2 through 16, when we look at that through the context of the entire letter, the of entire 1 Corinthians, and we look at it through the lens of the context of what was going on at the time, it makes sense to see those verses as, again, quote, an entry to a list of dangerous factions that were tearing the church apart. And that entry was about inequality between men and women. 
that is a very different truth than saying that these verses are basically saying that women need to follow men in the church. That is polar opposite. Now, the dispute about head coverings is just a superficial issue, just kind of like circumcision. uh, Wow, I can't talk today. Circumcision was also a superficial issue because the basically the church because its heart wasn't in the right place it was living from it coming from a secular place versus god's heart for each other as brothers and sisters in the body of christ they were more focused on the external than the internal and so the head coverings was just another thing that was an external belief that the corinthian church had that paul was addressing but he was also really addressing the true issue, which was gender equality. So remember again that Paul is writing 1 Corinthians in response to a letter from the Corinthian church. One that, given the time period, right, meant that months would have passed between responses because the letters had to, you know, it's not like in the days of email or the postal service, like writers had to basically write to Paul and vice, you know, vice versa to the church. So months would have passed between responses. And so when Paul is writing first Corinthians, he's reminding the church within his response, what they had written about. And Julie makes a great um, comparison here. It's basically like what we do today with emails. When we include the original message from the person in our response, so that they remember exactly what they said and they can reference exactly what they said. That's what Paul's doing as he's writing this. So he, I mean, he begins chapter seven with now concerning the things about which you have written. So let's revisit going back to our two central statements from chapter 11 that we touched on at the beginning of the episode, which in the first one, right, Paul is citing that woman originates is originating from man. And in the second, he then seems to co- seems to contradict himself by disregarding the order of creation and saying that in reality, all of us come from God. It is entirely possible that Paul is initially restating what they, meaning the church, who was out of alignment, he's initially restating what they had said in their letter in verses 2 through 10. And then in his second statement, verses 11 through 16, which starts with, however, in the Lord, he's made, he starts to make his point to say, hey, what you guys are saying or doing, like this is, we need, he's starting to correct them. So in other words, sisters, what that means is the church was seeing and treating women in a way that was an equal. Part of that was in how they were having these beliefs about head coverings. But Paul isn't saying that women are an equal. He's not saying that women should follow men, that men should have preference in the church. He's repeating what they wrote to him, which is not aligned with what Jesus preached. Remember, we said that a couple minutes ago. He's simply repeating what they said and saying, hey, in God's kingdom, they're equal. 
And by the way, Julie goes on to explain verse 3 in chapter 11, which says God is the head of Christ. Um, I will leave that to if you pick up the book. I just want to make a note of that because when, I mean, she's being very thorough God, saying God is the head of Christ, she has a very good explanation of what that actually means because of that particular verse, like it's when you read it on the onset, you're like, wait, God is the head of, you're like, what? Um, because they're like, they're supposed to be equal, then that might say, well, the rest of the stuff that Paul wrote here, like we can't take that as, like we could try to pick that apart. So she addresses that in the book. It's a very lengthy explanation. I mean, it's very good. I would highly recommend reading it, but I can't, it, like, it's too much to fit into this episode. I feel like I've already probably blown your mind, giving you a ton of things to consider. But I just want to make a note of that because if you are somebody who's theological minded and you're, you know, I just make sure that you're aware that she covers all the bases. So um, again, highly recommend picking up your book or your book, her book. So, sister, I know that we have covered a lot, um, and I did my best to pull out and put together in a audio presentation what Julie wrote about, but I hope that through this episode, you've come to see 1 Corinthians 11 in a completely different light, right? Paul's intention behind that passage was not, it was not to say that women had to follow men in the church or the body of Christ. It was not to say that men have preference in treatment and freedom in the church or the body of Christ. It was not to say that women need to be subservient or less important or that women have to wear head coverings, right? Which that was just some belief that the Corinthian church had that Paul's like, that's not even, that's <laughs> why it doesn't make sense to us when we read it, because obviously it was just the Corinthian thing that they were like off base with. Instead, throughout numerous chapters, Paul was urging the church in Corinth to love and treat each other equally. That was a main theme through the entire, like most of first Corinthians, because they were trying to categorize people and have all these divisions, Paul, Paul was saying, no, like we're called to love and treat each other equally, not be divided. And I love how Julia sums this up. Like she does that really well. And she says, quote, Paul knew that they needed to build a community based on love, selflessness, and the equal worth of every member. Any idea or value that caused separation in the body was not from God. Jesus wanted unity for his church, not a hierarchy or division between the haves and have nots. And she references John 17 verses 20 and 21. No longer were they to be driven by person, personal rivalries or self-interest. In all matters, they were to work for the common good. As members of his body, men and women were to function as one. So good. So good. So sister, I just want you to come out of this episode knowing if you have been quoted that verse from chapter 11 and have heard it used in a way that says that men and women are 
unequal or that men get preference in the church. That is not true. That is not what Paul's message was. Paul's heart was not for that. Jesus's teaching and heart was not for that. And I recently did another episode based off this book. I can't remember the episode number off the top of my head that talks about Jesus actually preaching equality between men and women while he was here. So I want you to know that chapter 11 is not a calling for you to be in a box. Chapter 11 is actually about you being treated and valued equally in the church and the church body as a whole in the kingdom. So I want you to grasp onto that. I want you to proclaim it. I want you to dance around the house singing it. I want you to revel in that freedom and just know that God's heart for you, if you've been feeling like you're meant for something more, if he's been drawing you outside of what you see as a box, girl, you run towards that (laughs) with all of your speed and might because that is literally in scripture. And I've done other episodes where I talk about identity and things like that, but just know the truth about chapter 11 and spread it because every woman I feel like deserves to know that truth. So anyway, have a good rest of your day or evening. I will see you in the next episode. Love you. Talk to you soon. Hey friend, before you go, if you found value in today's episode or it blessed you in some way, it would mean the world to me if you can leave a review over on Apple Podcasts. I love hearing from all of my amazing, powerful ladies, and I'm truly blessed when I get a glimpse of the incredible things God is doing in your lives. It also helps other women just like yourself find the show, allowing God to work in their lives too. Thank you so, so much. And by the way, if you want to drop me a line, you can reach me over at RelateEscape.com. Cheers.